everyone. Welcome back to Who's There. I'm your host, Allison. If you're new here, thank you for joining us. And if you're not new here, thank you for sticking with me while I took a break this summer. I definitely needed it, and now I'm so stoked to be back. So this is a podcast where I talk to a new horror fan every week because I hope to destigmatize what it means to be a horror movie fan. Because most of us are just regular people who like the adrenaline rush of being scared for some reason. And here we delve into those reasons. We have an awesome episode with writer, filmmaker, and witch Sarah Lyons. She's the author of the book Revolutionary Witchcraft, A Guide to Magical Activism. She has been practicing magic for over a decade and has been deeply involved in New York City's occult scene for years. She was the witch in residence for Vice, where she had a weekly tarot-based web series, and her writing has appeared in Teen Vogue, Vice, Broadly, Sluttist, Fusion, Dirge Magazine, and Dear Darkling. We talked a lot about the portrayal of witches in horror movies and what her favorite subgenres are, as well as what movies she just can't find the artistic merit in. One last thing before we get into this episode, if you like the show and haven't left us a review on iTunes yet, I'd be so grateful if you could take a second to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or now Spotify um, and subscribe to our feed wherever you listen to us. Thank you to everyone who's already left us a review. It's so appreciated as it really helps people to find us. So, I think I've rambled enough, so let's get into this episode, I'm so excited, with Sarah Lyons. Hey, Sarah, how are you? I'm great, thanks for having me on. Oh, thanks for being here. Do you want to start by telling everyone a little bit about yourself? Sure. So my name is Sarah Lyons. I am an author, filmmaker, and witch currently living in New York City. Um, I'm the author of two books. My first book, Revolutionary Witchcraft, came out in 2019. And my second book, How to Study Magic, came out in 2022. Uh, Both are from Running Press. And I am currently working on my first feature film that is going into production next month. That's super exciting. Yeah, I looked at your books that you have. Um, Super interesting about witchcraft. So first things first, what's your favorite scary movie? That's like choosing children. It's really hard. I think my, I was talking to someone about this the other day that I feel like horror is one of the, like maybe the only genre that you literally don't have to tell me a single thing about the movie to get me to watch it. Like all you have to do is say like, do you want to watch a horror movie tonight? And I'm like, yes. Like I don't have to know what it's about. I don't need to know who's in it. I don't need to know what year it was made. Like, that's all fun. I'll figure that out. But like, it's pretty much the only genre, like from the get go that I can just jump into. So I feel like favorites kind of switch between what is kind of inspiring me at the moment right now. I feel like my favorite is possession. Okay. But I really love evil dead. I'm one of the only people who likes the first evil dead more than evil dead two. Um, because it's more scary, I think. And the second one's more of like a horror comedy. And I've also kind of been on a Jennifer's body kick recently. I don't know if it's one of my favorites, but it's one that I've, I rewatched again this year. And I'm like, this is this was so underappreciated in its time, I think. Um, and it was kind of ahead of the curve on a lot of things. And so I've been kind of, it's not, I don't know if it's a top 10 favorite, but it's one that I've been really appreciating lately. That's awesome. Um, I got to see Jennifer's body for the first time two Halloweens ago at Nighthawk. Mm. So that was fun. It's fun. Yeah. And it's one of the only like, I feel I feel like that's 
a movie that kind of is a good encapsulation of what the 2000s actually felt like and looked like. Like all the characters are very like that's what people actually dressed like back then (laughs) when I was in high school, you know, so it's like it it feels accurate. It's like a good period now, which is also weird to think about. (laughs) Yeah. And like everyone is in it. Like you'll see just random 2000s faces. Yeah, it was a it was like Chris Pratt's like first movie. It's which is weird to think about. <laughs> uh, so how did you first fall in love with the horror genre? I've been in love with horror my entire life. I when I I think some of the first movies that really did it for me was Jaws. I saw Jaws when I was way too young. Like I I was like a literal child. Like I think I might have been 10 at like the oldest when I saw Jaws, which is like <laughs> My parents were definitely mad at me, but it was something where like they and their friends were watching it and I like snuck down and I like watched it behind like a couch and they kept trying to shoo me away and I would kept like, coming <laughs> back and like watching it. And I don't know, I think it was like as a kid, I mean, even now too, but I think as a kid, I was super into animals. And so like the idea of like nature striking back was very intriguing <laughs> to me. Um, but I I like watched that with like wide eyes and was like, what? And I was, as a kid, I was also like super into Jurassic Park, like, of course, And when I found out that the same person made both of those movies, it was like, what? Like, it was so, it was so cool to me. And I remember like when I was a kid, people like, there was like a school project that was like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I just wrote Steven Spielberg, (laughs) which like, come on, like get over yourself. But it was very, it was very, um, I, I just, I think that that was the first time I kind of like knew what a director was, like how these things got made. And so Jaws was very influential on that I think also as I got older being into witchcraft and magic and occultism and cars going by but being into like witchcraft and magic and occultism um there's not a lot of movies that depict those things outside of the horror genre like there's not a lot of like rom-coms starring like a druid or like you know (laughs) um like uh family getaway movies about thelemites or something like that right so it was one of these things where it was kind of the only game in town for the things that I was interested in so I ended up first getting into a lot of like supernatural and kind of um like haunting movies and things like that and I think through that I got interested in like the horror genre as a whole oh cool interesting um so why do you think that people who seem perfectly sane love the horror genre I think think that there's an honesty in horror that a lot of other genres maybe shy away from and I think that horror gives you a chance to like externalize the awfulness of everything you know like I, I I'm friends with a lot of people who are in the horror like who work in horror and and who are into that or horror fans all that kind of thing and I also know a lot of people who are comedians or are in comedy and that kind of thing and for the most part, the people who are into horror seem to ha- like be a little bit more stable, which is weird when you tell people that. But it's that I think that there's something about like you, yeah, you externalize it and you like like life is really horrifying and there's a lot of horrific things going on in the world. And I think that there's something uh, just brutally honest about the genre, especially certain like films from that genre that really like... I think a, like you you don't have to have some sort of distance. Like you're not running from your problems if you're watching horror. You're even if you're watching it as a form of escapism. You're like, no, I'm escaping to this movie. But even within the movie, I'm aware that things are really messed up right now. 
So what scares you in horror movies today and in real life? Look, kind of everything scares me. So I'm a pretty anxious person. So like sending an email kind of scares me, (laughs) Um, you know, like making making a slightly larger than normal purchase often scares me. Um, (laughs) um, Even if I can afford it, I'm like, oh, do I really need this throw pillow? Am I worth am I worthy of this throw pillow? I Um, I do. I do the same thing. Yeah, um, I think in horror movies, it's it's changed. It, it changes over time, right? I think I think when I was younger, movies that dealt with psychological movies like The Shining or um, films that dealt with a real breakdown in reality of some sort really freaked me out. Like when you can't distinguish what's real from what's fake. And when there's kind of a question of the main character's sanity, that like um, like Carnival of Souls and these types of movies, like that type of stuff really scared me. I think now I'm more afraid of people and I'm more afraid of stalkers and serial killers than I was when I was younger. And so now I think the last movie that I saw that really scared me that the most recent movie that I saw that really scared me was that movie Barbarian that came out last year I think that that really freaked me out on like a deep level and I and I came home and my apartment is not at all capable of housing the type (laughs) of people that are in that movie and I still came home and was like (laughs) like like jumping at like little sounds so I think I don't think that it's funny like ghosts and demons and stuff don't scare me because that's like if, if I do watch a movie that is scary and involves those things I kind of have a moment where I'm like Sarah wait you're a witch like you can deal with that you would know you would know how to deal with that if that was happening to you and it's like okay yeah that's right but if a person attacked me that's like oh uh, you know that's that's actually scarier to me you know yeah what's your favorite subgenre in horror that's tough and I think it depends I really love hammer horror movies I love like schlocky gothic over the top kind of dramatic movies like that I I love even if I don't find them scary you know like those are the types of like I love the aesthetics of like hammer horror and interview with the vampire and like Bram Stoker's Dracula and even though those movies aren't really scary to me I just I want to live in them so there's something <laughs> like, appe- like I watch them for the aesthetics yeah. you know? um I love I love those types of movies I really love I love a good ghost movie I think one of my I should have said this up top but if I'm thinking more seriously about like my favorite movies I think The Haunting like 1963's The Haunting is really high up there for me. I that's like a movie I return to often and like think about often. Um and I I like when like, I feel like well done ghost movies, well done haunted house movies are kind of underrated and they're they're not being made that much right now. Like they're kind of, it kind of comes and goes and I but I find them really compelling and in a really rich subject matter to dig into. Yeah, I love I love haunted house movies. Um, yeah, I love the other the, the others, others maybe. The others is so good. Yeah, I yeah. showed that to my friend for the first time uh, a couple of years ago, and she didn't know what any of she had never seen it before, and it was so much fun to watch it with someone who had no idea what was going on. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, around the time of the pandemic, they had said that they were going to remake it, but I think the pandemic kind of killed that idea. Thankfully, 
Yeah. Yeah. How do you, how do you remake that? Like it's already perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Do you have any favorite horror directors? Favorite horror directors. I, I feel like it's always such a cliche to say like John Carpenter, but I really do. I really do love his movies. I, I especially love his kind of more, like he's one of the few directors that I think can really tackle like Lovecraftian horror really well. Um, I set it up top, but I, I like Karen Kasama a lot. And I think that both her work in film and also her work in TV has been really great. And I'm very excited for all the p- future projects that have been announced from her. I'm not sure. I think that some of them have been shelved and some of them are still in the works, but I'm I'm hoping that her Dracula is still happening. <laughs> like, yeah. That's like, I'm really hoping for that. Um, I think the thing is like, you ask a question like this and I'm gonna, as soon as like a couple minutes go by, I'm going to be like, oh my God, so-and-so. But I like, he, he just passed away, but William Friedkin, even though he's not like a full on horror director, like cruising and the exorcist are just two really incredible films to me. And I mean, the exorcist is like, duh, but to, like cruising is one of those movies that every time I watch it I'm like why are we not talking about this film like literally every day like it's so it's so wild that this got made and it's such a portrait of a time um I, I love that movie so much um I think also being from New England and having the kind of like there's not a lot of directors that get New England right like Robert Eggers I think that when I first watched The Witch, I was like, oh, like finally a movie about witches that's scary because it's not a very scary subject matter to me. And I was like, actually, it was actually scared by that movie. And I'm a witch. So I was like, OK, <laughs> well done. like, good job. And it felt more like he did his research on that. That was good. Yeah. Also, The Lighthouse growing up on Cape Cod. I was like, you captured Cape Cod in the wintertime very well. Like, it just looks like that. Uh-huh scale <laughs> winter time so i think being a new englander i also have to kind of give one up there nice um so you're a writer witch and filmmaker and you're working on your first feature length film as you said what's it about so my first film it is called the woods um it is about four friends that became best friends when their middle school took them on a hike together and now they're all about to graduate college and go their separate ways and they want to recreate that hike before they do so but very mysterious things begin to happen to them and begin to tear their friendship apart. People start dying and the story is being told from the perspective of the lone survivor on a true crime podcast. So that's the framing device of the film. Um, So I went, the story of the film itself and how it's getting made is that I actually wrote the story first when I was in middle school and it's been, in my brain for a very long time every couple of years or every year I would kind of go back and rewrite it or add to it or read it back to myself and I always knew that it was the first fictional story that I was going to tell but I always thought that that was going to be uh in book form like I always kind of thought of it as a novella and I had it completed as a novella and was like looking to maybe go back and edit it again and send it to publishers that kind of thing um and I I went to film school, like that's what my training is in and worked in the industry for the first couple of years out of college. But then, uh, you know, 
my life has taken the course that it has and I don't regret that at all, but you know, got sidetracked and between the pandemic and a bunch of other stuff that was happening in my life over the last couple of years, I really had a moment of like looking at myself and going, wait a second, I moved to New York to make movies. Like why haven't I done that yet? Like I should, I should get on that. And so the last couple of years has been a process of me gathering a team together and gathering money together to make this movie. And that's what we're doing. Oh, that's awesome. When do you start filming? Oh, we start production next month, actually. So it's kind of, I'm kind of, ah, (laughs) kind of losing it a little bit over here, but in a good way. That's awesome. Um, Where are you going to film it? Is it around the city or? Mostly upstate, um, a little bit in the city and like uh, one one scene in New Jersey, one or two scenes in in New Jersey. Oh, that's super cool. Yeah. Um, So how did you get into witchcraft? I got into witchcraft when I was very young. I I usually put 14 as the age that I got into witchcraft or that I I formally kind of thought, started thinking of myself as a witch, but I was always really obsessed with mythology and folklore and things of that nature. And it was like, I was always very sad and, and, you know, disappointed by the fact that like no one believed in that stuff anymore. I was like, this stuff is all so cool. Like, why did people stop believing in these gods and why did people stop doing this stuff? And, and lo and behold, pe- people were doing it again. I re- the, the story that I tell and that I tell in one of my books is that there was like an NPR piece on like Wicca that was on the radio and people were calling themselves witches. And I was like, oh my God, that's it. Um, and I ran upstairs and I like booted up the desktop and like just started <laughs> Googling all this stuff about like Wicca and witchcraft. And I don't consider myself a Wiccan anymore. That was kind of like a middle school, high school situation for me. But, um, you know, that was like what started me on the path. To, to where I am now. And it was interesting because for a really long time, like this was the last thing that people knew about me because it was very private. And now it's like the first thing that people know about me, um, which has been an interesting thing. It's also weird because growing up and up until around like 2016, 2017, it was not cool. Like, I think it was a very nerdy thing to be into like astrology and witchcraft and occultism and this type of thing. And then things really shifted around and I was lucky enough to find myself in a part of the country that these types of things were becoming cool in and people were paying attention to them in. And that's kind of what jumpstarted my career. But it's still strange to me that it's kind of considered a cool thing now because I still think of it as very like the nerdiest of nerd. (laughs) It's like, let's make mythology real, you know? (laughs) So I don't know a lot about witchcraft, but I love astrology. So what's your sign? Uh, Aries sun. I love Aries. What's your, what's your moon and rising? Uh, my moon is Gemini. My rising is, I think it's Scorpio. Okay. I, I always get along with Aries and I always get along with Scorpio risings. So this is great. (laughs) Oh, good. (laughs) Yeah. Perfect. (laughs) Um, so your books, revolutionary witchcraft, a guide to magical activism and how to study magic, a guide to history, lore, and building your own practice, um, have both been published, one in 2019, one in 2022. Um, how did these come about, and how would you summarize what they're each about? So the first one, Revolutionary Witchcraft, actually the publisher reached out to me. Um, they had read some of my work. Um, I had been writing a lot for Vice and Teen Vogue at that point. And they had read some work that I had done and they were like, we really want you to write a book about magic and activism. Do you think you can do that? And I actually had a proposal ready to go. I had been thinking about a book like that for a while, 
So I had a proposal ready to go. And I was like, in fact, I do. And I like passed along this proposal that I had. And that book, I wrote it in three months. So it was a very fast turnaround, which now I think back and I'm like, how how in God's name did I write that? Um, but I wrote it in three months and I didn't really do a whole lot else. <laughs> um, and uh, it's kind of a guide. It's it's a guide to, like you say, like magic and activism, but I wrote it as sort of a, sort of a middle ground. Like if you are someone who practices magic, but you have never thought about activism or politics before, I wanted it to be kind of a good introduction for you. And if you're someone who's interested in politics, but you've never really had any interaction or thought about magic in that way, then I wanted it to be a good introduction to you. So I, I really try to make my books approachable to people. And I try to write where people are at. I think that I love, like right now we're at a time in occultism where there's really incredible scholarship and work being done. And there's really in, like some of the best books on occultism have been written in the last 10, 15 years, I think, and have been incredible deep dives into subject matters that deserve that. Um, but I think that for me, I've always, my skill set has always been kind of as a welcoming, as a welcoming mm-hmm. writer to people, like bringing people in. So I, I think that that's where my, my kind of skill set lies. And so with my second book, How to Study Magic, that was one that I pitched to the publisher because I was, that's the question that I get asked the most is like, how do you get into this stuff? And like, how do I get into this stuff? And that sounds like a simple question, but it's actually a really difficult question to answer because that's different for every person. And because most books that are 101 books on any field of magic, so witchcraft, grimoires, ceremonial magic, any of this stuff, uh, they come with a lot of assumptions about the reader that you you must know some of this history already. You must know how this relates to other things. You must you must understand why mercury equals orange. You know, like you have to like, and most people don't. And it takes a lot of reading of a bunch of books over years to figure out how to piece that stuff together. So that book was really an attempt by me to do that work for people and say, okay, here's the ultimate 101 book. Like once you read this, you are set and you can do whatever you want after that point. But here is like putting these different paths into context. Here is how they relate to each other. And here is ways to think about the, like the kind of five major paths within like magic and occultism. Oh, that's so interesting. I'm going to go and buy them after we hang up. Um, random, yeah. sort of unrelated question, but sort of related. Have you seen the movie Hellbender? I think it came out last year. I feel like I've it was... seen Hellraiser, another favorite <laughs> of mine, but I have not seen Hellbender. <laughs> no, Hellbender, I, I think it's two women that are... It's a mother and a daughter, and they live in okay. the woods. And I believe the mother is a witch. I'm going to watch wrong. that. Yeah, it's on Shudder. Okay. It's on Shudder. So well, I'm I... adding it to my watch list like right now. <laughs> um, do you have any favorite depictions of witches in horror movies? I think the witch does a good job at um depicting what people at the time in the early modern period would have thought about witchcraft and even people before that. Um, there's been this kind of idea over the last few years that witchcraft is like purely a peaceful, tree hugging kind of goddess worship 
path and it can be that. And there's a lot of people who take it in that way. And that's, that's great. But I think that something that I try to remind people of is that like witchcraft has kind of always been transgressive and a little bit dangerous through most of its history. And it's actually only been very, very recently that being called a witch has been aligned in any sort of way with like female power or empowerment. Like it was a legal term for a very long time. And if you were called a witch, that was not just a mean thing to be called or an empowering thing to be called. It was it was a word that carried a, a sentence with it, right? Um, and I think that it's important to kind of remember that history and that that lore. And so I, I like that movie for that reason. There's also like, this is something a lot of people don't really catch, but at the very end when they're chanting like, in the woods, that's an actual Enochian chant. Like that's an Enochian key that they're singing, which I think like I was like that was out there for the heads, you know. I think yeah. it was like a little, it was like a little something. Um, I love so I love that movie. I love, I mean, on the non-horror side, I do love like Practical Magic. I think that movie is like incredible. Um, which is complete opposite. Like that's the like that's what I was just talking about. But I think that that's to me that's the dichotomy of witchcraft. It's like you've got one and you got the other. You know, yeah. like, which what are we feeling today? Um. <laughs> I one movie that I love and it's not specifically witchcraft but it's like paganism is the wicker man I love the original wicker man and I think I'm one of the only people who sees that movie as like a story about a utopian society defending itself from fascism (laughs) (laughs) um and like a fascist society enacting its theocracy on people like technically that's what it's about but let's have fun you know yeah (laughs) Like, look, they have great wicker. They, Summer Isle has great sex education, comprehensive sex education. It's got it's got women in positions of government power. It's got a robust arts community. Like, what's not to love about Summer Isle? You know? Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. What are some misconceptions about people who are in, into witchcraft that you know normies have? Hmm. I think, well, it's, it's interesting, right? I think that the, the misconceptions have kind of swung in a lot of different ways, right? So I think that way back in the day, the misconceptions might have been that witches like sacrifice children or like have green skin or something like that. Right. Mm -hmm. And I feel like there was a overcompensation against that kind of thing to be like, we're just like you, we're your neighbors. We're, we're not different at all. And it's, I think that now there's kind of the swing in the opposite way to kind of be like, no, like witchcraft can involve cursing and it can involve darker things and it can be a little bit, it's, it, it, it's not like Wicca and witchcraft are not necessarily the same thing. You know, I think that that's been a big, like Wicca kind of was the thing for a while there. And I like, you know, with shows like Buffy or Charmed and stuff like that, it it had a real like PR moment in the the 90s and early 2000s. And I think that the last couple of years, like when I've done interviews, it's more been um, correcting some of those ideas that like witchcraft is not necessarily a religion. I do not consider it a religion for me. I consider it a practice, uh, like a spiritual practice. It is not. Uh, you know, necessarily about goddess worship or about uh, these types of, you know, kind of ceremonial ideas or paganistic ideas that there can be people who are Christian or Jewish or et cetera, who practice witchcraft. There's, it's a thing that has been practiced in all sorts of cultures all over the world. 
Um, and so I think that those are some of the ideas that I have been uh, trying to put back into people's minds a little bit, just the distinction between witchcraft and Wicca. Awesome. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. Um, growing up in Massachusetts, did you visit Salem a lot or is that like very touristy witchcraft? It is very touristy witchcraft, but it's fun. Like, that's why it's fun. Like, <laughs> like, like this is my thing is that I said, like, maybe now I'm more like the witch witch, but I grew up being a practical magic witch. Like, come on. You know, I think, I think that there's, um, I, I like, I grew up in a tourist town myself, so I kind of get it. Um, and I, I personally love Halloween and I love kitsch and I like a little bit of fun and goofiness and maybe that's not the heart of witchcraft but I don't think like if I call myself a witch part of my thing is like I shouldn't be taking myself too seriously you know like I think it's you know I should have a little bit of humility with it um I think that there's I like when I was and also like further to that point like when I was young I was not only someone who you know, considered myself a witch privately, but I was one of the only, I grew, I went to this like weird kind of secular school. And so I was one of the only people that believed in God in like my entire grade. So I kind of had the opposite experience that I think a lot of people in the United States have where they're like, have kind of a rebellious, like atheist moment. I had like a rebellious, like believer <laughs> moment that's oh, kind that's of continued, right? Like it's, it's kind of persisted, like, but maybe not so much rebellious. Now I'm just like here, now I'm just yeah. chilling. But I think when I was a kid, it was this like kind of rebellious thing for me to either privately or publicly be like, no, I believe in every God, you know, like checkmate. Um, <laughs> what problem of evil now? But I had, so growing up, it was like Salem was, was kind of like a goalpost for me. It was like the, it was, it was like a place that people that thought like me, lived and so it it was like okay if like this is real like what I'm thinking is real there are people out there that are doing the things that I want to do so there's a life for me out there somewhere like I think it's it's kind of similar to how people see you know a place like New York City or something like that that you there's a there's a almost a north star to shoot for and and you and even if you're not living there the fact that you know that it exists somewhere out there makes you feel not so alone and insane in the things that you're doing and, and feels like a roadmap almost. So I, I have a lot of love for Salem in my heart and Halloween and all year round. I love that. Um, last question on witchcraft is what is your advice for somebody looking to get into witchcraft? Read my book. Um, <laughs> I, um, I think that the things that the things that I usually tell people is start simple the things become complicated over time. This is just like a rule of nature. You know, we all, every living being walking the earth right now, you know, millions of years ago evolved from some single celled organism, right? So things become more complex over time. Your magical practice, your spiritual practice doesn't have to look in a year's time, like how it looks right now. And it will not look in a year's time, like how it looks right now. So I think that starting simple with like, meditating every day or praying every day or doing like one, like a tarot card reading every day, like whatever you want it to be, wherever you want to start, start there. And then you will find things like things will naturally become more complicated as you go. And you will naturally be drawn to things and find things as you go that will interest you. So don't start from a place of complexity and feeling like you have to have it all figured out from the, from the go, because you won't. And that's okay. Um, I also think that not everything can be found online. 
you do actually have to read books at a certain point and not just my book, but like you have to read, you have to read some stuff at a certain point and you have to not feel so compelled to compare yourself to people online. I think that when I was growing up, it was very lonely to be the only person who was kind of doing this stuff in my life. And that's kind of like what I was talking about with Salem and that kind of thing. But at the same time, it meant that I came up with my own ideas around witchcraft and what it meant to me. And I had to go to books on mythology and folklore and kind of recreate stuff for myself. And I wasn't comparing what I was doing to what other people were doing. And I do, while in some ways I'm envious about young people now and all the TikToks and blogs and YouTubes and podcasts and stuff like that that exist, I sometimes wonder, you know, if that is, if if I would be comparing myself constantly or feeling like I have to perform online, like put everything that I do online immediately as I do it, instead of like just feeling it out and just going with it. So if you're feeling that kind of compulsion, just, just feel it out and go with it in private. You know, you don't, I think that, I think that that's just maybe one little piece of advice I would have. Oh, that's awesome. Um, so an yeah. article came out in 2020 that said that horror movie fans were handling lockdown better than non-horror movie fans. Why do you think that was the case? Well, I was definitely not handling lockdown great. So <laughs> they did not pull me in that. <laughs> <laughs> they were not pulling me in that. Um, I don't know. Because, uh, yeah, lockdown was very difficult for me. So, I mean, I watched a lot of horror movies in it. I watched like the entire Purge franchise. <laughs> That's just... not a good franchise to watch. That does not make you feel good. I tried to do the whole thing in one day once with one of my friends. One day. That's incredible. <laughs> I actually love those movies. I actually really do like the Purge movies. Yeah. Um, But I, but yeah, they're, they're, they're a lot realer than I think that people think oh, that yeah. they are. Like they have a lot, they have a lot going on in this film. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I think going back to what we were saying, maybe like if you watch horror movies, you're more prepared for this sort of thing. But by that same token, I had a real moment, like an existential dread moment in the pandemic where I rewatched um, Dawn of the Dead, like the original Dawn of the Dead and Dawn of the Dead and Day of the Dead. And I had this like sinking feeling in my stomach where I was like I remember watching Dawn of the Dead when I was in high school with my friends like zombies were having like a real moment in the 2000s and we watched that movie and we're, we were all like oh, what would we do in the zombie apocalypse like what would we what would we get how would we hunker down like how do you fight zombies blah 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 and I had this moment of like oh my god I just lived through this but real like like I had this like oh my god it's not it's not a joke anymore. And I had this real, like, I just lived through the apocalypse. What the fuck? <laughs> like, and I just, and I just stayed inside the whole time. Like these guys did. I just stayed in a fucking ball. You know, it was like, <laughs> it just really, like, it, it really hit me like how kind of accurate those movies are and how ahead of their time that they were. Yeah. And I think that actually really freaked me out because then it's like, what else is real? Like what, what if we do get zombies next time? <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I think I think um maybe it's just that you know horror fans are more accustomed to to thinking about these things and and maybe have their prepper 
stash ready to go like they've already gamed they've gave they've game through a couple scenarios of like well what what does happen if i have to like lock down for a couple of months you know yeah <laughs> um so maybe maybe that's why but um <laughs> i know i was like not in that game <laughs> oh well i'm sorry to hear that but that's okay. uh, it's over extroverts now. were not doing great in 2020 let's just say that <laughs> i think i'm an ambivert meaning okay, i have qualities okay. of both I was honestly so happy to like not have to make plans with anyone. I was like, can this last longer? Thank you. I was like, one of my friends and I were like, when are we ready for round two? When is that coming? <laughs> oh, no. See, I, I called it the whole like beginning of 2020. I was like, this is the introvert's curse. This is you want us <laughs> to all live in your world for a year. <laughs> uh, are there any horror movies that you won't watch or that you won't watch ever again? That I won't watch? Um... So the movie that probably freaked me out the most and that's one of the only movies that I anti-recommend to people is Threads. Um, I've heard that that's really intense. <laughs> that movie kind of, like, low-key ruins your life. Like, it actually is kind of, like, like, I remember I was, like, messed up for about a week after I watched that movie because you feel like you've watched a nuclear war happen and then you walk outside to your not- nuked street and you're like well now i know what this would look like if a bomb was dropped on it <laughs> like i know i know exactly what would happen and yeah that that movie it just it like it makes you feel like you've watched a prequel like it makes, it makes you feel like you've like seen like a prophecy or something like that and it really doesn't feel good um so that's i think it, that's like an anti technically very good but an anti-recommendation from me is threads I think um, I didn't really care for the Poughkeepsie tapes. Okay. Some people love that movie and I get why, because it is technically very scary, but I feel like sometimes, and this is me not knowing this director. So this is maybe me saying something out of turn, but sometimes I watch a direct a, a film like that and I'm like, do you just want to do this to women? Like, is this just like a thing? Like, <laughs> why did you make this? <laughs> like, what's the like not like make whatever you want to make, but what's your deal, dude? Like there's a there's that's just kind of one of those like what's your deal, dude, films for me. Um maybe even more so than a movie like The Last House on the Left, which is another movie that I don't know if I'm gonna like rush to go see, but that I can at least like pull artistic merit out from it because there's kind of stuff about the Vietnam war in it. And, and you know, there, there was sort of a, at least a veil of like, you know, this is what we're doing in other countries. So we need to be able to witness it kind of political message, I guess, in it. So it's like, even if I'm not going to go throw on last house on the left, it's at least like, I, I can, I can see it for what it is. I feel like the Poughkeepsie tapes I watched and I was like, yes this is well made no I do not like it you know yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah I haven't seen that one yet and I don't know if I ever will um but it was really funny um my last interview with, with was with somebody who lives in the UK and he was talking about how he watches messed up horror from time to time and I met, I asked him about threads and he was like no but let me add it to my list I was like I don't know but maybe not <laughs> It's funny because you ask some British people about that movie and they're like, I watched it when I was a kid and I've never been right since. Because <laughs> like, <laughs> oh they saw it when it like aired on the BBC, you know? Yeah. But they think the guy who created Black Mirror was like, that movie 
is why Black Mirror exists because it like messed me up so bad, you know? I don't know. Hmm. Have yeah. you ever have you ever had any noteworthy experiences seeing a horror movie in theaters? Oh man, I saw I think when I saw Get Out in theaters, that was like a moment where I was like, okay, this is something special. Like the way, not just the movie itself, but the way the audience was reacting to it. I was like, this is a really smart movie and this is a really special film that I'm watching right now. And I'm so happy that I'm seeing this in theaters and like getting the full effect of like audience reaction and stuff like that. The ending was, it was, was so pitch perfect. Um, I think that that was great. I rem- I still remember watching The Strangers <laughs> in theaters and people screaming at that movie, like at the top of their lungs, like freaking out at The Strangers. I, I think I was one of those people screaming, <laughs> which is a lot for me to scream in a movie theater. <laughs> I'm screaming in that theater. Um, I, that was a really special one. Um, I, what's another good, what's another good one? I saw, I had, I, I, was a special moment in a movie theater. I'm going to have to think about that for a second too, because there's, there's movies. Like I had, I had a really good time recently at like Barbie, but that's not scary. Unless, like it's kind of existential, I guess, but it's not really yeah. scary. Um, but I haven't, but, but, and that was kind of one of those great reminders of like, oh my God, this is why we go to the movies. Isn't it? Yeah. Folks? Like, isn't it so wonderful to be laughing and yeah. crying in a theater of a hundred people? Like, isn't this special? Um, yeah, I think I think definitely those were great. I saw um this I saw um we're all going to the World's Fair when it was at BAM last okay. year and that felt cool as well because it was, you know, it's a people who it's always special when you know that there's a lot of friends of the director and like yeah. friends and family and stuff like that. I I'm not yeah. really friends with the director myself but it was like you could tell like they had some friends in the audience so that felt cool and like cute to be like oh my god all your friends are here but it also was like oh this is like the first time I'm seeing my child it's like like it felt like how growing up on the internet felt It, it really captured that vibe really well and so being in a theater with people around my age who also had similar I think uh adolescents growing up online it felt good to to be like oh yeah like we're making art like my generation's actually being allowed to make art about our own experiences and stuff like that and that felt really good yeah I saw I was able to stream uh we're all going to the world's fair it was it was an experience it was very. it's an experience yeah that's another movie like I feel like it's going to take a while before I go back and rewatch it Mm -hmm. but it definitely I I have to love it because it's like oh yeah this is the millennial growing up on you know 4chan and tumblr and creepypasta experience you know <laughs> yeah what has been your favorite horror movie that you've seen so far in 2023 that i've seen so far in 2023 movies that i've seen like that have come out this year or yeah. movies that yeah. okay yeah um let me think about that for a second i really want to see talk to me i have not seen it yet no spoilers if you have um I loved Megan. Yeah. I thought Megan ruled. <laughs> I did not like Skinamarink. Okay. I know a lot of people did, and I myself was really excited for it. I have to I have to like it because making a movie like that for 15K and then 
you know, doing, you know, you know, gangbusters at the box office is is good. And that makes me feel good as like an independent filmmaker. Like it, it feels I like, congratulations, good job. I like, I, ha- I have to say that, but I just didn't really care for it um, personally. I did. Yeah, I did love Megan and I did love Evil Dead Rise. I thought that that was great. Um, yeah, that felt just like a good, like, we're having a fun time at the movies, aren't we, folks? Yep. Yep. There's we're having a fun time, aren't we? <laughs> like a roller coaster, you know? Yeah, I like that one too. Yeah, it was great. Um, so, on the flip side, we have a few months left of 2023. What horror movie are you most looking forward to seeing? I really want to see Talk to Me. I think that that looks amazing. I really want to see let's let me think about this for a second I I still haven't seen the new Scream movie so I do want to watch that oh Infinity Pool I actually I really loved Infinity Pool also going back into your last question I'm like looking at like I'm going back through my letter I'm literally having the tab over here like my letterbox like diary I'm like what did I see this year um like that came out this year Mm -hmm. how how time flies um I I really, yeah, I really loved Infinity Pool. I'm trying to think of what else is still yet to come out. The new Exorcist is coming out. I'm um, not excited for that, to be honest, but maybe we'll see. Uh, we'll see. Five Nights at Freddy's, Saw 10. Okay. The Nun straight 2. Up I, straight up, I am kind of excited for Saw 10. Like, I think that that's one of those movies, like, that's one of those franchises that, like, I did. I used to think I was too cool for, and then I watched like I have. I haven't seen the whole thing, but I've watched like a lot of the franchise at this point, and I still don't. It's still not exactly for me, but I love it. I love it for being itself. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I like it's saw is saw, <laughs> and it's <laughs> it's complete. Like there's no other movies like them, and they know that, mm-hmm. and they love themselves and i think that we should all aspire to that the kind of self-love that the saw franchise obviously has for itself and its fans you know like it's yeah like it really is like a one-of-a-kind kind of franchise so i am a little bit excited to see that i think um yeah oh the, this isn't i mean it's kind of a horrific movie but it's not quite a horror movie so i guess i'll include it but the film um zone of interest is coming out later this year it's about I, it looks really chilling but it's about um one of the like people who ran auschwitz and his family oh, wow. living next to the camp so the Ooh. the idea is that all the violence of the holocaust is like happening off screen and you can like hear it happening in the background while they're like living this like happy little german family life mm. and it's not exactly a horror movie but it's supposed to be very horrific so i think i'll i'll include it here like on the list but zone of interest is one that i'm really looking forward to oh i'm gonna have to look that one up yeah that does sound interesting and horrifying yeah yeah <laughs> uh, real are... bring it down <laughs> yeah. very end there. i've been to auschwitz so yeah. oh well yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is now a very serious podcast yeah, this is a this very is, serious history. You can't make blog. any jokes from here on out. Yeah, fuck. Um, so are there any horror movies that you love that people generally don't like? Movies that I love that people generally don't like. I I do not love oh, let me let me think about that for a second. 
this is I'm having that moment of like um it's like name like oh you're a feminist name three women like uh you know <laughs> um I I feel okay so to non-horror fans when I talk about horror I always bring up that I think that Hellraiser is like one of the most brilliant like auteur film like <laughs> masterpieces and people are like Hellraiser because I think they think of the poster and they think of a type of movie that it is and I'm like no this is like queer cinema auteur directorial <laughs> debut shit like it's incredible like this this is like George Bataille made a film like it's <laughs> it's so good um so I think I'm like that's like to people who aren't really horror fans and haven't seen that and aren't really like you know I think uh you know would would not have watched that unless like people are trying to get them to say something or trying to get them to like watch a, a movie or something like that um I what's a movie what's a horror movie that everyone hates I feel like I'm just I'm like one of those like horror maximalists where I just like I, every horror movie is my baby I'm trying to think I what's a horror movie that you hate um like what's something I, you really don't like I really don't like the original Evil Dead movies I think they're really cheesy oh okay so I like those I do I do really like I I like I mean this is what I kind of said this earlier but I like the first one more than the subsequent ones yeah, and a lot of people don't like the first one or they or they like the first one but they like the subsequent mm-hmm. horror movies a lot more yeah. um i okay maybe this is a maybe this is a controversial opinion i i like the remake of house of wax more than the original okay hmm. that's a controversial take i feel um I'm sure that there's another horror remake that I there's there's a couple horror remakes like that that I actually do like more than the original not often I usually like the originals more but I I remember I did like a back-to-back where I watched in like one weekend I watched the original um House of Wax and then I watched the uh the remake and I was like I think Paris Hilton kind of kills it like (laughs) I think she's actually like very self-aware and funny in this movie. Um, I've never seen it, so I have no opinion. It like it's another one of those movies where it's like, is it good? No. Is it great? Yes. <laughs> like, oh. Is it is it a lot of fun? Yes. Um, yeah. I I think. Hmm, I guess I'm kind of one of those people that sees the merits, but I mean, I don't know. I I'm still. Tr- I I think that. I am still on the fence of how I feel about a movie like Cannibal Holocaust. Like, I think that I ultimately fall on the side of like, it's not good, but I guess again, it's kind of like, maybe like, maybe it's more, maybe that's not a good one to use. I'm trying to think of like, what's a, I'm trying to just think of like, what's a controversial horror movie or one that people generally don't really like a Serbian film. I don't like that movie. I don't like it. I think it's bad. It's also like, that's the type of movie where it's like a dare. Like that, I feel like came out maybe around the same time or maybe people just found out about it at the same time as like um, uh, Human Centipede. And I remember when they came out, it was like a dare, like I bet you can't make it all the way through this movie. It was like a, like an edgelord thing. Yeah. to be like, oh, have you seen a Serbian film? And it's like, I don't want to, well, I've got enough stuff going on up here, you know. Yeah. I don't need I don't need that image in my head. Yeah. What about Megan is missing? I've never seen it, yeah, okay. but okay. 
Um, I also, I guess the other thing too, is that I am not a huge, um, one, one thing that is kind of, some people love this genre and I like specific films from this subgenre, but I'm not the biggest Jalo fan. So I don't, I don't always love that subgenre, but I like specific ones from it. I heard someone bad mouthing, maybe this is not one that people generally don't like, but I did hear someone say that they really hated Black Christmas and I love Black Christmas. <laughs> so I don't know if that is like a widely felt sentiment or if that was just like these couple of people talking, but I love Black Christmas and I will defend that movie to the death. I think I think people generally really love Black Christmas unless you're talking about one of the remakes. I have not seen the remake, no. so I'm okay. not going to defend that. I know that some people did not like X and Pearl. I really liked both of those. And I really like um, Ty West, like in general, as a filmmaker. So I, I guess I give kind of a blanket endorsement there. Like I've re I really like some people think his movies are really boring, like House of the Devil or The Innkeepers are really boring. And I really love that stuff. So like I'm, I'm here for the slow burn horror movies. So I think that The Innkeepers is great um yeah so those awesome. are some those are some ones I like awesome um if you could remake one horror movie which one would it be oh man um I would love to take a crack at like a classic universal horror movie I re like I love I love those movies so much I guess that would be another subgenre that I really like I I I love them and I love over the top kind of gothic stuff like that. Or, I mean, one thing that I have actually kind of a, a screenplay that I've legitimately been working on, and this is not one film that has been adapted from this. A lot of seventies horror films were based off of this book. So it's kind of a mass remake, but um, uh, the book slash many movies of Carmilla so before Dracula, there was a book called Carmilla, and it's kind of the, you know, forgotten first big vampire novel. Um, and it's about the, this, like, girl who lives alone or, like, with her family, like, in this, like, uh, castle in the middle of the forest. And this mysterious ca uh, carriage, like, overturns near them, and they have to, like, save this, like, woman inside. And it's this woman, Carmilla, and her and this woman fall in love. And there's this kind of weird vampire romance thing that starts between them. And it's, like been adapted into a lot of really kind of schlocky but fun uh 70s like hammer horror and giallo films like vampiros lesbos is i believe based on it and like um i, be I believe that movie um not the hunger um uh daughter of darkness i believe was based on it or um yeah, there's 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 a there's been a few. I think there was even one like Italian film called like Carmilla that was based on it. So I think that's kind of a, a many films remake. But I I actually have been working on a screenplay that's sort of that adapted to sort of a post apocalyptic neo gothic sort of vibe. So if anyone's out there listening, help me produce my Carmilla film. <laughs> oh, awesome! I didn't I had never heard of that story before. So that's great. It's great. I mean, it's literally like this. It's like a hundred pages. You can read it in a weekend if you want. Yeah. It's very, it's very fun, gothy vampire vibes. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. My, my last question is if you had to spend quarantine with one horror villain, who would it be? And you know, they wouldn't kill you, but they might just annoy the shit out of you or torture you. Ooh. Okay. Um, with one horror villain, I feel like pinhead would have the most fun. I'd have the most fun with him. 
because it's like that whole thing is making pleasure out of pain. So it's, <laughs> it, I feel like it would be, it, it would be a terrible experience, but they would make it fun. The Cenobites would make it fun somehow. So I think I would, I think I would choose the Cenobites. Maybe, you know, Jason's just so quiet. So maybe he would be good because he's just, I didn't, I'm not going to bully him. I'm going to be super nice to him. And he's just going to be a really quiet roommate to live with. I'm not going to have to deal with loud noises or anything like that. And that would be really nice, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think either Jason or the Cenobites would be my roommate pick. Nice. But the well, Cenobites is like, that's got, that's like a poly living situation. That's not just one roommate. That's like a whole polycule moving yeah. in. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here. Do you want to tell everyone where they can find you and your writing and your books online? Yes. My website is sarah-lions.com. Uh, and you can find me there. You can order books directly from me there. Um, my uh, Instagram is at city mystic. And uh, that's mostly where I am on social media. I'm on Twitter too, of like at sarah-lions, but uh, Instagram is where I'm most active on. So find me on Instagram and find me on my website. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Oh, and I'm also going to be, this is like, I don't know when this episode is coming out, but I'm also on a show called Mysteries Decoded on the CW. And I am going to be on an episode coming out, I believe, uh, later in September, if oh. I'm correct. So oh, sometime awesome. this fall, sometime this fall, you'll see me on the CW on Mysteries Decoded. So give that a watch. That's it for this week's episode of Who's There. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Sarah Lyons and thanks again to Sarah for coming on. I'll leave links to where you can find her on the internet and buy her books in the show notes. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Who's There PC. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, horror movie recommendations, or you'd like to be a guest, shoot us an email at Who's There PC at gmail.com. Until next time, stay scary and never ask Who's There. <laughs>